Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. Beneath the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels unfit for anything human. Unauthorized for anything experimental. Hold it! There's something moving up ahead at the top! And unlikely to bring anyone down there. So... They're coming up. Chud. Check your basement and your bathroom. Keep off the street and try to hide. But remember, the dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic. Humanoid underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. Yeah, that's great. Fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Do we change our? Do we change our opening music? Uh, no. Okay, here we go. (laughs) No, that's the wrong file in the wrong order. (laughs) I don't understand. Uh, Welcome to Movie Sucktastic. That's right. (laughs) Oh. God damn this mouse! <laughs> huh. All right. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to movies. Yeah, whatever.
You can all go fuck yourselves. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a split second, I thought you had replaced our opening theme music with bing, 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 yeah. bing. <laughs> You only wish we, we were so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, welcome to Movie Sucktastic. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast review, uh, movie review podcast. We don't, it's not a podcast review movie. That would be kind of boring. Um, I'm oh. Scott, the, the disgruntled individual cursing repeatedly is Joey. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I just want to, uh, you know, just get it on, on, on camera that I am wearing my Chud shirt tonight. There you <laughs> go. All right. It is on. Uh, where a woman that, uh, at a site I was working at will go unnamed said that it reminded her of a minion from despicable me it took it, it took everything in my being not to slap her wow this was an older woman uh-huh um not a very bright person um there's nothing the only thing yellow about this shirt is the words chud like not even the chud on the shirt is yellow nor does it look like a minion in any way. I mean, I didn't realize that minions had razor sharp I, I teeth. Think you, I think you're really, really clinging to this. A little bit. A little bit. Well, let's let's breathe, let's breathe some positive energy into this episode and and uh, yeah, whatever. Um, so as you can as you can tell, we're we're re reviewing the uh, 1984 horror film Chud. Yeah. The, uh, the acronym for cannibalistic hum humanoid. Oh, I can't talk today. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Yes, that is what yes. it stands for. <clears throat> God, I hate this fucking mouse. <laughs> Focus on the movie, sir. Focus on the movie. Oh. For a split second, I thought you were going to say, I hate this fucking movie. <laughs> no, I love this movie. <laughs> this is one of my all-time favorites. Okay, right here. Opening shot. The bum. Jan Sa uh, Saint. I believe uh -huh. his name is Jan Saint. Same bum from Frankenhooker. <laughs> Which was unplanned. So that's, it was a... Th thanks to Scott, it was an excellent challenge. Well, the cha this actually... This challenge actually came from me. I helped you, I, remember? You, you, you assisted, but I, I, I made the call. <laughs> okay. Well... I only have one film. I have a couple of films that I will, I'll talk about. Uh, All right. Of that, I'm going to challenge you to. Uh, okay. We'll also go over the uh, the poll that's out now uh, for the uh. Uh, for the audience or anyone out there that wants to recommend films for us to review. We'll talk about that later as well. And mm -hmm. I'm going to put the poll up on our website uh, so ah. that there's more than one spot for people to go to. Because cool. You know, I don't want to just rely on people on Facebook. I want to rely on the random website goer that may come across our website and say, hey, you know, they might recommend a film we've already reviewed, but sure. it also will promote maybe them going to the podcast page and maybe listening to a few episodes. You never know. It, it might. You never know. All right. So last week, I challenged Scott to Frankenhooker. And, uh, Which I love. 
Yeah, me too. The connection was New York, gritty New York. Okay. Well, New York horror. New, New York, York horror. Uh, the, well, you know what? That's going to mm. be the link for my challenge. So, but we'll get okay. to that later. Um, because this movie just reminded me of like good old dirty, gritty New York. I love old New York movies, and I love movies that depict New York in a dirty, grimy way. And this movie does that. Um, so my pretty challenge much, to you is going to have that same theme, but that's pretty later. Much, pretty much most films portray New York as a very ugly, ugly place until uh, the Giuliani administration yeah, kind of pretty much uh, the seventies. Pretty much the seventies and the eighties was the dirty, gritty, you know, uh, New York. And then, mm -hmm. like you said, when Giuliani came in, which was mid nineties, cleaned the whole place up. No more porn shops. Um, no more homeless. No more prostitutes on corners. All of that didn't go away. It just went somewhere else. Still yet, yeah. still yet to be found. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't find any of those porn shops anymore, and you certainly can't find prostitutes. Oh, porn shops are still there. They're just hidden behind like touristy facades. Yeah, uh, they, they are I, I still there. Yeah, they, I don't they, want to get they're... too much into it. I mean, they, they they did the zoning where you couldn't have a porn shop within like uh with like two blocks of like anything, but areas where uh. And even when in. you did have porn shops, you could only have them if two thirds of or like one third of what you were selling was non-porn related. So all these porn shops had to move all their porn stuff into the back and fill the front with like shitty snow globes and New York T-shirts and stuff. And so, it, so that's they pretty right. much hid them, hid the porn places. That, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> what? I can't go into a jerk-off booth? Not. I actually never did that. Ugh. But he always brought home a snow globe. That's right. And my shoes were always sticky for some reason. <laughs> and and uh, stickiness prevails in Chud. There's a lot of stickiness. Uh, I remember during the audio commentary that they said between Ghostbusters and this movie, they bought up all the KY in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> that It's a very straightforward plot. People start disappearing in New York City. They discover that it's radioactive mutants and down in the uh, sewers. sewers. And well, let's be let's be film. thorough. Uh, the people that are disappearing are people that live in the sewers. Not not all of them. Not all of them. The chud, chuds do grab people a couple of times <laughs> from uh, a sewer grate and from a telephone booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they're, that's... they're getting, but they're they're getting more of the underground homeless people because oh, yeah. they're closer. Well, you know, the reason why you throw in little things like that into the movie is to show that yeah, you don't have to be underground to not be safe. You know, if it's after dark. You're probably you could probably get taken by one of these. Otherwise, things. otherwise it would have been a short meeting. Uh, mayor, mayor, <laughs> they're, they're evil creatures under underneath the city, and they're eating the homeless people. Oh, okay. Is that it? <laughs> that is great. Are they registered voters? No. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the good news. Yeah. So right. you know, it, it, it's more than that. Obviously. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, now, now there, there's a, there's like a, a twist, if you can call it that. Uh, we're in finding out what the source of the monsters is, but uh, there's not much plot. No, <laughs> no. It, in. It, now it's a weird thing to say, but the film's kind of character-driven. Uh, well, yeah, you know, the listening to the audio commentary. See, one of the things oh. that uh, Scott told me to do because he had already can I, done. Can it. I just can yeah, I just say that 
the Chud audio commentary is now on my top ten list of best audio commentaries ever. Yeah, it's it's Great. up there with the Evil Dead Two commentary. Um, Evil Dead Two, uh, um, uh, Clerk uh, Mallrats, the Mallrats audio commentary. Oh yeah, I, I love the first line of that where Kevin Smith says "fuck you" DVDs. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like Laserdisc, you know, forever. It's like, dude. Then later apologized for that. Well, he didn't apologize. The next audio commentary, he started it with, yeah, fuck laser discs. <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but just now, and I don't want to get into the, the controversy aspects of it just yet. But uh, yeah, the audio commentary is hilarious and it gets a little nasty. It does get nasty. They they start taking shots at uh, well, well, the producer. Yeah, no, I, let's... let's Hold off on that just for a bit. Let's, I just want right. to like, do more about the film before we get sidetracked and sure. everything else. Oh, I lost my web pages, motherfucker. Uh huh. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So uh, basically, John Hurd, he's a fashion photographer. Doesn't really like what he what he does. You know, things of that nature. His girlfriend is also a fashion model, and he's just kind of getting bored with the whole. Uh, Hollywood uh, corporate glitz of oh I'm taking these pictures so they can sell a shitty product. He's kind of so, like he's your quintessential, uh, you know, a brooding for artist photographer type in this movie. Right. So so he's going around taking pictures of homeless people, and that's how he gets drawn into the whole chud. Uh, development. Exactly. He gets taken down into the sewers to to look around. He sees one guy's leg that's got take a chunk taken out of it, which <coughs> is also. One of Daniel Stearns, he's a uh, uh, he owns a soup kitchen, which I found out they filmed all of those scenes in Jersey City. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he owns a soup kitchen, and that's one of his guys that comes to his soup kitchen all the time. Right. So he gets a lot of the homeless, and he actually has a hole in his basement that taps right into yeah. the underground that's where all the smart. mold will come from. That's not smart at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like here's a perfect example: toilets and sinks. You know why the uh, the J pipe that comes in has that curve? Rats. Uh, no, I never heard that, but that might be true. It's so all of the noxious gases don't that, just yeah. come pouring into your house and kill you. Yeah. So having a hole that leads into the sewer, bad idea. <laughs> really bad idea. <laughs> hey, it's just an observation. So yeah, Daniel Stern, he uh, you know he's he owns a soup kitchen. He's taking care of these people, and in a lot of ways, they're his friends. You know, he he cares for these people, and now, a lot of them start going missing. So now, he, he takes yeah, great now, uh, you know like care in trying to figure out why that's happening, and he's taking pictures, he's investigating, and he's just getting well, little bits by bits like little pieces he's finding like a boot he's finding like on. this radioactive uh i don't know what you, uh, well, when you when, when you say daniel <laughs> when you say daniel cern's taking pictures you mean he's taking them from john hurd that that, 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 you, that is steal his pictures <laughs> uh yeah that is true <laughs> yeah he's not out there with a camera he's out there with a knife breaking it out so oh, these are pictures i would take these to, uh to city hall <laughs> <laughs> and, now, and daniel and, stern is the reverend yeah. in a role that he pretty much created and wrote himself. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the stipulations, because I read uh, those two websites that you sent me, one <laughs> of the stipulations was that uh, Benine, or Benime, I, I, I don't really know how to pronounce his last name. Bonami. Bonami, Bonami. His name was Adam, or... And Andrew. Andrew. Okay, Andrew yeah. Bonami. One of the stipulations was he could get John Hurd and Daniel Stern as long as they hired Christopher, uh, not Christopher Curry, Doug Cheek it was, to direct. No, well, all right. Don't get you, you might be saying it wrong. Uh, John Hurd and Daniel Stern were willing to do the film for scale. The stipulation was that he got Doug Cheek to direct. It was their stipulation, not the that, producers. That's what I said. Uh, but the way you said it, it sounded like the other way. I was just clarifying. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. Well, what I meant was that. I know. And, I just um, clarify. That's all. And Christopher Curry, who plays Bo, uh, Bosch, who is the police officer, um, they, they're like all buddies. So mm -hmm. one of the big reasons why Daniel Stern, I guess, felt this privilege to rewrite parts of the script on a daily basis <laughs> was because he was buddies with everybody. Well, I, you know? I mean... <laughs> <coughs> the whole excuse me i was trying to it, it's hard not to talk about i was trying to hold off and talk more about the film first but it, this is like the no, main gist it, of the it, film it, that it's, like it's, it's more this is the most interesting it. part of it is that when they got the the uh when they when the producer purchased the script he eventually handed it off to a second person parnell to rewrite the screenplay right who refused uh, now, initially he didn't want to rewrite what? someone else's work he refused initially right well, according to Andrew, well, yeah. uh, bon, bon, Bonima, um, Bonami. and uh, the original screenwriter, Shep Abbott, Shep Abbott, yeah. Shepherd, Shepherd Abbott, he was friends with John Hurd and Daniel Stern. They like all knew each other. And, like they were, you know, they were with him when he was talking about the idea before he even wrote the screenplay. Right. So they were kind of, uh, they were, obviously they were a bit upset that he was, her, his script was being rewritten on him. And uh, they also didn't like how it was being rewritten. Yeah, uh, because uh, Andrew, the producer, he asked for uh, Abbott to give him rewrites and, and notes and things of that nature, and he just wasn't doing that. And that's why he brought well, in. That, um, that's, that's why he brought in Parnell Andrew, Hall. That, yeah, that's according to the producer. And I. Uh, well, here's, here's I mean, the here, here, hold on, hold on. I just want to say one thing that I yeah. noticed in all the readings that I found that maybe puts the producer uh andrew either not remembering things quite well or just flat out lying okay hear me out he specifically says in one of the uh, the articles i forget which one but now, he says that john carpenter had a poster of chud during the filmmaking now this is important during the filmmaking of Escape from New York. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why that doesn't work is because Escape from New York was being filmed two full years before this even started. Escape from New York was being filmed in 1981. This didn't get started filming until 1983, which they didn't have any funds until that year to even make a poster. So right. how the fuck... Does John Carpenter have a poster of Chud in 1981 when this film was filmed and released in 83 and then 84? Well, it's let, not let, <clears throat> fucking possible. Now, uh, that, to me, 
that's either someone that doesn't have a good recollection of time or is just lying. Or well, someone told him and that they just believed it, which is, I don't know what's worse. Let, let, let's set up the whole situation for the listeners that may not be 100% familiar with this. Okay. Basically, uh, the Chud special DVD, it was Anchor Bay. Anchor I forget Bay. who it was, it was Anchor, Anchor Bay. Bay. And they did an audio commentary. Now, there isn't a Blu-ray uh, of this yet, right? Not getting, what? There isn't a Blu-ray of this. No one's done a Blu-ray of Chud yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Actually, Criterion did a did a um, April Fool's joke where they said they were going to release a Blu-ray of it, and I I think it's in poor taste because that, that they're kind of making fun of the movie. I don't know. I did. I, I thought that was kind of like uncool. Yeah. Of them to, that. Even as you said it, I got annoyed. Yeah. Like ah, <laughs> uh, fuck you. <laughs> Criteria. Yeah, anyway. go, go release another, you know, black and white 70 minute movie. Go for it. Right. Twats. So, and, and, so the Anchor Bay DVD comes out and it's got audio commentary with uh, John Hurd, Daniel Stern, Christopher Curry, uh, Shepard Abbott. Abbott. And uh, who am I forgetting? John oh, Hurd. Oh, and, and Doug Cheek. Doug Cheek. Doug Cheek. Director. That's right. It's four of them. So the original screenwriter, the director, and the three main actors. All and friends. Three, so that's why, friends. that's why that commentary right. sounded. Like they ganged up on Andrew because they did. Well, and they and they really and and not all of them, but the ringleader is Daniel Stern. He has a strong dislike of Parnell and uh, and, and the producer and the the rewriter Parnell. And uh, through through the audio commentary, they accuse him of uh, um, not paying them because they took a deferred payment and were paid scale. Right. And. Uh, and they talk about the fact that they never received any uh, pay after the uh, after the film made back its its investors' money, uh, which is debatable on whether or not that ever happened. They said it, it, it actually everybody well, across we'll, we'll the board. About, you said, and I will talk about that in a second. You and I will talk about that shortly. Right, okay. I'm just trying to get through the basics. Sure, of this. go for it. Uh, they, and they, they also uh, and they complain about uh, the script writing, certain scenes that were made that were written by uh, the producer himself, and pretty much uh, trash talk, <laughs> Purnell. And Bonami through most of the film, Bonheim, whatever, however you pronounce it. So uh, the producer, upon hearing it, gets all pissy and creates his own website called Chud Facts, which is no longer up. But if you do a search for it, you can find it on um, archive.is, which is a web page archive. I love the fact that there are people out there just archiving websites before they disappear. Yeah, just in case. I, I love that oh, that's well, out you there. Know the, so- the, it's not even an old adage because the internet's not that old, but if it makes it to the internet, it lives forever in some way. Yeah, I, that's... I, it's, it's, I if love anyone, that. anyone is dumb enough out there to film yourself having sex with someone else, right. make sure that it doesn't make it to the internet because that shit ain't ever coming down. Right, but I, I love the fact you can find this stuff through these archives, and so it's still available. But and I don't know why he took it down. I'm assuming because maybe he had there were repercussions to what he was saying in it. Probably. But he releases his own own thing where he's like, oh, about, about I'm, these are facts. I'm, I'm, he's going to refute all these things that were said about him in the audio commentary, um, and he makes some accusations of his own. Uh, well, that I'm know, not getting into right well, now. You know, but basically, in, you know what's interesting? Uh, listening to the commentary. Um, they talk a lot about how they they're noticing things in the movie that they've never seen. They're like what a lot through the, the through the commentary right. they, they say what cut is this? <laughs> well, and that's because and I've never seen the theatrical cut, but apparently the theatrical cut uh, is much different than the, the cut that we see in Anchor Bay, which is kind of a restored original cut. Now, is the theatrical but, cut available anywhere or, or ever? Because I, I got know. the impression I, that the theatrical cut 
was just shown theatrically. I believe. Well, I, I know if you look up alternate versions that the television cut uh, supposedly restores some of the scenes that were cut out of the theatrical cut. Okay. And uh, I also read that a lot, of the, according to Bonamy and I, other places, things I saw, the studios recut the film after test screening it, which is always a bad fucking idea. Yep. And yep. I think at one point they even they even looped dialogue into the film that somebody yelled out at the the at the the screen during the screening. Oh yeah, I know the scene. It was when um, the girlfriend uh, Greist. Kristen Greist? Anyway, the one where she goes at the window and she's screaming, help me, help me, and someone screams, call the Ghostbusters, because that film had come out the same year. Right. They added that. It, it's like, because it got a laugh in the theater. And yeah, I guess so they the were studio, grasping at straws. Yeah, so the studio fucked it up, and uh, yeah, they weren't even aware of that. So, And, and Bonamy mentions that on his web, his uh, Chud Facts, and kind of uses that to imply that they didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. <laughs> now, I don't want to attack Bonamy, uh, but I'm going to because there's, <laughs> the, he's only. I, I know I, I, oh, it's too much. I, I can't get into it. I don't, I don't want to spend. I'm, the whole time I'm looking at tonight. some of the, and this is just the rough Blu-ray specs. It's not yeah. out on Blu-ray, but it. The, it gives the year and the runtime, and the runtime is 88 minutes, which right. uh, I guess is the theatrical cut or the cut that came out on VHS. The 96-minute cut, which is the version we watched, is the director's mm -hmm. cut, which, you know, it's an extra eight minutes. Um, so, to me, that plays a big part in what might come out to Blu-ray. Maybe they'll release both cuts, but they, they would probably have to consult with either Andrew or Doug to maybe do like a definitive cut of the film. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no bad blood there. No, zero. Uh, I, I uh, hope it's like a Shout Factory release because at least they'll have, they'll have some good stuff. Definitely. Uh, the, the, one of the main contentions is the screenplay uh, and the whole idea that... Uh, that uh, Abbott right. uh, option was had the screenplay option by now, and that's the one thing. There are several reasons why I don't like the producer. One, because he's a producer, and I yep. genuinely have a strong distrust of producers that aren't also like actors, screenwriters, etc. Right. This guy talks a lot of talk about being like a screenwriter's producer. He's only actually this uh, company. It's weird. Like it's, it's like if you look up his like. Um, you, you, he actually has a, uh, a, LinkedIn, a LinkedIn page, and if you go there, his Bonamy uh, Productions or whatever it's called, yeah, is is uh, he says it from like 1970 to 80s to to 93. If you look up his, uh, Bonamy Productions, it was registered in New York City in 1987. Oh my! And was um, d uh, dissolved in 93. Oh wow! So okay. it technically, did it, this company technically didn't even ex didn't really exist unless there's a document I'm missing until years after Chud was actually created. Got it. Now, yeah. Now, one of the things he says on his Chud facts is he talks about how I was uh, I was brought to the screenplay and I'm going through all these screenplays. So what I do is I option screenplays and I and I produce them. 
the only other two films he's done before Chud with any kind of credit on them mm-hmm. is uh, The Madden Project and The Bell Jar. Uh, both are both are uh, fuck what art house words just words are escaping my fucking brain tonight both are uh, projects that were optioned from existing novels fine okay alright so they were adapted from already existing works it's cause you lost the beard I mean that's it yeah, holds many it holds many powers that's where my strength is yeah I know uh, Chud is the first film he's produced uh-huh. that's an original work. It's the second film he's produced as producer, or second film technically he's produced. He was like a he was like a um, a coordinator on uh, the Madden Project. So he he talks about how he dealing with Parnell and how oh you know this guy didn't know how to write properly and he wasn't working with me and his rewrites weren't really rewrites not parnell sorry abbott no abbott. So called, yeah he was so saying he, that he didn't he didn't think that he actually knew how to structure yeah. a script in any way He's which like, no, might be partially true but no well. i don't know i doubt it I, I don't think so i'm sorry like the way he talks about him too it's, it's like overly it's not just like yeah well you know i tried working with him but there's there he goes through great detail to try to paint uh abbott as oh yeah, it was sloppy. He didn't know how to write. When we had these sessions, it was I thought he was listening to me, but he would give me these rewrites that were off. I tried to explain to him. Every time this fucker mentions <laughs> horror films, he says, yeah, he mentions Hitchcock. I know. Hit- Hitchcock didn't make fucking horror films. No. He made sus- mis- suspense thrillers. Mis- he didn't make fucking horror films like Chud. <laughs> yeah, and so- does it, <laughs> doesn't he say that the, the shower scene is an ode to Hitchcock? Yeah, and I love the audio commentary where Daniel Stern's like, "Oh, what the fuck is this?" Oh, and then they <laughs> they, like, they also say, "Oh, the, the, she signed a nude uh, release," and then she backed out. She chickened out at the last minute, and they talk about it in the audio commentary, and they all say, "Oh, yeah," because you know Andrew. Oh, of course, he wanted to get some chick nude, and he said one of the biggest reasons why he did the Chud facts was to to kind of clear his name on that, saying, "Yeah, I, I didn't just want you know, I'm not a pervert." I didn't want to just get some woman naked for the movie, right? And but he did want he did want a a, 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 um, a scantily clad woman in a shower scene to sell the film. Yes, because one the, and one of the, they used a body double, and there's actually nudity, which is on the 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 special edition DVD uh, as like it's in the special right. features area, and the and the, Andrew he's like I don't even know how they got that footage. <laughs> no, I'm gonna look into it. Yeah, it was like, it's like the, his first film. The first film he was involved with, in, the Madden Project, is about sexual experiment, sexual and drug experimentation at college. It's an exploitation film, right? So I mean, that, that's where he he's only has three films to his credit. This exploit, this this uh, teen college drug sex exploitation film, uh, the Bell Jar, which is a widely disliked uh, adaptation. Okay, and um. Now Chud, and so he says, "Oh, I got my friend Parnell. I got this." Or, he doesn't say friend. He says, "Like, oh, the writer I've worked with, it's his friend." And he's, "I've worked with him on develop, and I optioned his, these scripts of his, and I've developed all these projects with him." If you look Parnell up, this is the only screenwriting credit he has. Yeah, he went on to actually write suspense novels, right? Right. He has a whole line of mystery novels, and the fact that he's writing only mystery novels explains that why. Uh, he would say no when the producer says, "Hey, do this for me." He's like, and he's like, 
He's like, he didn't like the source material. I'm thinking he's like, yeah, it's a horror film. I don't write horror. <laughs> and so you end up with someone who doesn't like the genre, doesn't like the source material. He's going to rewrite the movie. Right, exactly. No wonder the people that were there at the beginning when it was created didn't like what was coming out of it. He's like, what the fuck is this? This isn't, this isn't even close to what it was. And, and again, why would you pick something? And he just makes it sound like, oh, it, it wasn't that good of a screenplay and the guy wasn't a good writer, but I took it and we did this. And I and so I decided to, you know, to get someone to rewrite it and, and, and try to get $40 million for it. Really? Yeah. Really? 40, that, 40, that, that, 44 that's how million. You didn't like? Yeah. And That's he, not part and, of it was something you didn't like. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah sense. no, and, and they spent a lot of time trying to get it made. So yeah, that, when he was re- saying that, and I'm reading that, and I'm like, yeah, but this was like became his baby in some way. Like he was really trying to get it made, and he was trying to get more than 1.2 million that he ended up getting, um, which he actually said rock bottom is 1.6, and he didn't even get that. <laughs> um, but he also went on to say that Daniel Stern was bringing, on a daily basis, rewrites <laughs> from the script that they got. And he's, he, he kind of shit on Daniel Stern for doing that. Uh, and Danny, Daniel Stern and I believe it was Doug Cheek, uh, they both said that they pretty much rewrote 50% of the film during the filming to, mm-hmm. I guess, try and get it back to their original concept somewhat. And obviously Andrew Bonamy, he's took offense to that and he said you know listen you know Dan- daniel stern doesn't realize that something he writes on page seven or page seven uh, 22 affects uh, you know something that happens on page 78 and it doesn't make sense yeah you know and he says that and then you, he gives an example <coughs> of the scene when they're in the in the sewers right and uh, they find the crates and i'm like yeah that doesn't work because that is set up in the beginning of the film so what the fuck are you talking about i don't know right. yeah i don't there's a yeah, he. There's a lot of this talk. A good example of my my dislike of producers and producers like this that manage to like just explain how nobody else understands anything. Well, you know what? Too, I Andrew. Well, he not, said that's a, her first half. Of my sentence. I just want to finish the sentence. Go for it. A perfect example is the book. Um, God, damn it! Are you thinking the keep? No, it, it's a book about a, the making of Natural Born Killers. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Not the Devil's Candy. That's that's the Devil's Candy is the making of um, uh, Bonfire to Vanities. Uh, but there's a book by the producer of Natural Born Killers, and I'll I'll look it up while we're talking later on. And this producer, female, that wrote this, explains throughout this book how Oliver Stone didn't know what he was doing. Uh, the screenwriters didn't know what they were doing. Hmm. Uh, she, she, that she basically she's the reason natural born killers was good <laughs> and everybody else that was involved with it had no idea what they were doing and oddly enough she doesn't really produce anything much any of anything after that book comes out yeah i wonder why I, I, she even shit talks her her co-producer oh wow yeah, yeah. All, all these men are <laughs> children and and i brought women into the thing and i show you know it's, it's just like that it's just the way this guy's talking i, I would go uh, out on a limb that oliver stone and a lot of the actors in the film know a lot more fucking people than she did, and it made it made it very difficult for her to get work again because you don't shit where you eat. That's well, kind of the number one rule. You don't burn and, and, bridges. You don't shit where you eat. That's kind of it. Well, I mean, to an extent, yeah, and but also. Well, if you don't want to work again, go ahead, and burn the bridge, and you know. Like, I, 
I can talk. Like, I can believe if you're reading something like if somebody involved in a film says, "Oh yeah," and he didn't he didn't know what this was, and I did that, and that's it. When you read this woman's book, everything was only everything worked just because she was involved. <laughs> that's it's just one this 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 and total this total horseshit. Oh, if I, I mean, there, Oliver Stone. By the time he did Natural Born Killers, I think he had three movies under his belt, and. He had three movies under his belt. He co-wrote uh, Scarface. I mean, just he had so much experience. There, I find it very hard to believe. By the time he got to do, ah. you know, Natural Born Killers, he didn't know what he was doing. The book is Killer Instinct, and okay. it's by Jane Hampshire. Jane Hampshire. Okay. Yes. Uh, get it if you want a great example of a producer just claiming that they are the only people that have any idea what what's how to do anything <laughs> and talk about other people like their children and Bonamy does that on his chud facts he even has one section um like film financing 101 it says oh you're gonna teach everybody now are you andy fuck you <laughs> i just that attitude that kind of tone i i just reading his stuff i get that and, and <laughs> nah. now yeah, and then they also complain about the whole budget thing, and that's one thing I, I, I guess because because now you're you're claiming fraud, which, dude, and I'll tell you, all right, all all producers fucking steal money. Oh yeah, I'm sure of it. Uh, you know they, what? Oliver I Stone was, actually had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies before he did Natural Born Killers. Ten, mm -hmm. <laughs> ten movies. Movies like Salvador. Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Fucking Radio, Born on the Fourth of July, The Doors, JFK, which was a tour de force. I mean, that is a ridiculously good movie. Uh, Heaven and Earth, eh. and then he did uh, Natural Born Killers. So, actually, looking at his um, his uh, his resume of films, kind of fell off after Natural Born Killers. Not that he was making bad movies, he just wasn't making movies I was interested in watching anymore. Right. You know, yeah. movies like Nixon and Any Given Sunday and World Trade Center, things like that. Uh, so, anyway. Yeah, and uh, again, this, this is her second producer credit, Natural Born Killers. Bonamy, this is his second production credit. Here's another thing that like, I thought was unusual in his chud facts. He says... I got all these investors together and I sold them on the fact that I would be directing. They I've, trusted me. They knew what I knew everything. But then these other guys that's wanted where me to I was, Doug Cheek. That's where what? I was going to go earlier. I was going to mention oh, I'm that. sorry. No, it's okay. It's good. Want to go with it? or No, no, no. <laughs> I was just going to mention that I was going to say that one of the things that he might be, even to this day, a little bitter about is that he was going to direct this and direct it his own way. And even though he says he wasn't partial to the script and he was asking for tons of rewrites he definitely had a different vision for this movie and basically he's complaining because he was cock blocked well and here's one of the things he says that really bothers me about that because he mentions that that uh but he builds it up and says the 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 investors they were really set on me directing so then they come up and say yeah but we want doug cheek to direct and so but now the directors that uh you know, I had to explain to them how this person, who didn't have any previous directing credits, right. uh, was going to direct the film. Guess who else doesn't have any previous directing credits? Good old Andy. 
Andrew Bonham, the fucking <laughs> producer, that's saying he's going to direct it. Well, he he has just as much credentials in directing right. as Doug Cheek. So what the fuck? Did Andy uh, Andrew ever direct anything uh, at all after this? I don't believe so. I think Chud was his last film. I mean, he couldn't have just totally shit no, the bed on this the, that they wouldn't give him uh, any kind of directing. Usually you end up directing something if that's what you really wanted to do at some point and you're a producer, so. I, I it just, to me, it smells like this guy wanted wanted to turn himself into another Golden Globus thing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, horror films, 80s, this is the easy way in, we'll do this. And he wanted, and, he, he, and as a producer, he also wants to write and direct it because he's even writing scenes with Parnell. The, the shower scene was written by the producer. That's right. So he's putting scenes in there with the writer. He's writing with this guy. It's like, again, this, it just oh. seems like he thought he was going to do everything. So And, and the, the stuff they changed from the original script, like the monsters, uh, is shit. And he'll even admit it's shit, but then he won't take responsibility and say, well, yeah, I fucked that up. <clears throat> oh, man. So, yeah, uh, Miscellaneous Crew, 1973, The Harrod Experiment. And mm-hmm. producer, well, you had already mentioned it, The Bell Jar and Chud. And that's it. He's never gone that's on it. to direct anything. He's never written anything. Well, he's he's, he's <coughs> done stuff for, for uh, internet media and um, the cooking channel or something. There's the Joy of Cooking channel. Yeah. He, he did, he's done a lot of... He, he's, this this guy, is a, he, this is a corporate guy. That That's right. He's a suit and a tie. He, he is. I mean, uh, yeah. his... All of it. If you check out his LinkedIn uh, profile, everything is done after he, he's he's an executive. Uh, he does this stuff. And I'm not I'm not saying the guy doesn't know anything about writing or anything like that. We haven't seen anything else he's written. Yeah, uh, it, or it, anything. It anything says he's written, here, really. Andrew Bonamy spent ten years on uh, in the internet business and wrote the book "Writing for New Media," published by John Wiley and Sons. He was vice president for motion picture and TV for Diana Ross in the '80s. And he was president of Cloudshine, a film development and production company, as of March 2003. For all I know, he's retired now, but you're right. He's a total, well, I said it, but he's he's a suit and a tie, and he's a behind-the-scenes corporate guy. You know what? When when someone says, I worked in the uh, entertainment business, uh, the internet business, so what the hell is that? It's, It's like saying, oh, yeah, I work in the car business. We work in the internet business. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I work in the internet business. What does what does that mean? Oh, it could mean anything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, a, I'm in IT. I work in yeah. the internet business. I used to work in the entertainment industry. That's right. You used to. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, you know, it's such a broad fucking term. I don't trust anybody that describes what they do in that kind of a broad term. That you, like, if you tell me what you do and I can't like envision you doing it, then you need to come up with a different way of describing what you do. <laughs> That's right. That's it. <laughs> that's even right. Produce, even even producer. I know what a producer is. They produce. That's, that's it. The they, guy sits at a desk. He calls people. He makes sure things are happening. Yeah. He gets the money. I know what a producer does. I don't know what an internet <coughs> person does. No, not at all. I have no idea. Yeah, I, and, and you know, as a writer, the screenwriting aspect is what I'm always most interested in. So it's the kind of thing I really clung to when I was hearing the audio commentary about, you know you're in for a treat when the audio con- commentary is up, and the first comment in the first scene is is the writer going, yeah, this is the only scene they kept that I wrote. <laughs> 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 like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. This this is, it, it is a great audio commentary. Uh, 
if if you don't like the film, listen to it for the audio commentary. They're having a blast uh, watching this movie. It's so much, in fact, that they actually talk each over each other a few times. You don't understand what anyone is saying when <laughs> yeah. they do it, like at all. Daniel Stern has like a bitter streak that I love. Yeah. Uh, like during the end credits, when they're doing the credit comes up for uh, Tom Boxel, uh, Box Boxel, Boxel. Yeah, and he just goes boo. Yeah, boo. <laughs> Why are you booing? He's, got, He's the fucking guy that designed the chuds. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's and it's really it's hard to. I agree with a lot of what they say because the main argument is like they're they're complaining like when the when the when the um, opening scene where the manhole cover comes up and like the fakey rubbery glove hands come yeah. out and and he's like ah oh, what does he they should have been human hands that looks stupid and their main argument was that the original in the original script or you know what the original concept was is that the chuds were just like uh, these underground dwellers uh, you know the mole people almost vampiresque. That, that, becoming sick from the radiation and becoming cannibalistic uh but they weren't turning into like light bulb eyed uh right. weird muppet monsters they well, were just like like their eyes would go green you know or like they, they would just they would they were they were still essentially human beings yeah well there was actually a scene later in the film which they all commented on uh because one of the uh, mole people uh so to say was turning into a chud he was still yeah. human human body face but he had the razor teeth and his eyes were starting to get, you know, wide-eyed, but there was still he was still human, but he had lost that human part of him. He was more animalistic, cannibalistic, uh, right? And Daniel Stern ends up killing him, and they all talk about that, saying that's what we were going for. You know, we didn't and, want these rubbery, and, slimy things. So. And and they're a hundred percent right. The film would have actually worked. Yeah. A uh, hundred. The only thing that kills. I mean, honestly, the only thing that really kills the film is the monsters. Yeah. Yeah, and it's edited in such a way where you don't really see a lot of them. Uh, well, you can't because they're shitty costumes. Yeah. Oh, and you know, it was, it was great in, in, the, in the audio commentary. They, they specifically mm -hmm. shit on Andrew when the scene where she chops off that one, the, the head of one of the chuds, where its uh -huh. head gets real long, like E.T. style. And they're like, yeah, that was Andrew's idea. What a shit idea that was. <laughs> uh, and then that one interview with him, he, he says uh, something along the lines of, yeah, it was bad, but at that point I had to do something. He says, yeah, but you didn't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just... I, I mean... <laughs> uh, why do you have swords in your house? <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's coming well, up later. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. That was mentioned I, like three times. Oh, there's those swords again. Hey, she's either you know taking a shower or walking around. You're and you're on the phone. <laughs> I you know I I love things like that too, where they'll even point Excuse out stuff me. and it's like, well, yeah, they had, like when when she uh, locks the door and then she trips over her own phone cord and tears it out. Right. And one of them's like, what the hell is that? And then like the other guy's like, well, you know, we had to solve the phone thing. It was the you know it was it was you know it was a good idea. It was it was the only way to get rid of the phone. And it's like, who trips over their own phone cord? <laughs> Well, then uh, uh, either Christopher Curry or the director says, yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, yeah, it, it's like the Evil Dead 2 
film. I mean, they made the film, they love the film, but they make fun of shit all the way. Like, oh yeah, so he's okay now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Daniel Stern and John Hurt are, are, are making fun of each other, having like gay sex in the sewer, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Daniel Stern like they're limping towards the manhole. He's like, yeah, because I just fucked him in the ass. I mean, that's like he's <laughs> saying shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> There's and John Hurt's like, yeah, I knew that was gonna come up again. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, Daniel Stern. I mean, obviously Daniel Stern and, and uh, John Hurd are, are friends. Um, yeah, but you could tell like they're they're just riffing on each other. Like at one point, Daniel Stern is telling John Hurd that he's like, "Are you wearing eye makeup?" Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I think, no. I, I think one of my favorite moments is is um, with Christopher Curry, where they're they're in the they're, every now and then there's a lull, and I love the lull where it, it's uh, they're in the boardroom. Where Christopher Curry as, as Bosch and um, the Reverend are trying to convince the city council or whatever that there's something going on, and there's this like lull as Bosch is talking, and then you just hear Christopher Curry go, "God, I sucked in this." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and then there's always the jokes. Uh, the director always joking that uh, I don't think I was drunk on this scene, but I was yeah. definitely drunk on this scene. <laughs> and then uh, they, the other actors would uh, Daniel Stern. I think he said he was drunk or high in one of the scenes. He's like, yeah, I was drunk or high or whatever. <laughs> uh, well, Christopher Curry, uh, if he, like the final scene uh, when he's like, "Yeah, I'm, uh, there, I was drunk." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, no, and and then he says that he says yeah yeah that's how I pulled it off because I was actually drunk because he was playing a bum who was drunk. <laughs> no no I'm talking about Christopher Curry Bosch. Oh Bosch when he's in the car with the tie he's like he's gonna yeah. hang himself he's yeah like, yeah I'm, I was drunk there yeah he looked drunk. Well, and I like earlier uh, during another Bosch scene. Uh, I think it was Stern says you were drunk in this scene, right? Like, no no I wasn't I wasn't drunk. Ah, in this scene. I, I played that straight. But, but, but there's, like, there's a pause like. Like, like a few minutes after the scenes are over, yeah. yeah. The only way I could, you know, handle it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's great, Daniel. I love Daniel Stern. He he's just there's again there's that bitterness to him. <laughs> oh yeah, great. <laughs> Fuck that! I wrote that part. Oh, they keep making fun of his gold tooth. He has uh, a, he his has... hair hair. <laughs> <laughs> there, there it is. Oh, there's a great shot of it. <coughs> It's like, oh, there's the gold tooth. Oh, and I love. There's a scene where he walks into his, uh, his soup kitchen. He goes up. Oh, there's good old baggy pants. Yeah, <laughs> he makes he's making fun of himself. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's a great audio commentary. I mean, I I, I do enjoy the film. I, and again, it's it's character driven. Uh, the Bosch uh, Bosch character and the Reverend, yeah. and then Bosch is going back and forth between the police department and the soup kitchen, and you got the photographer. There is a storyline going on that does make sense. I would love, pardon me, I would love to know what the original screenplay was. At some point, someone had it posted somewhere, and they were forced to take it down because somebody like sent them a cease and desist. Oh, I don't man. know who. I I've been I have not been able to track that. It used to be really easy to get screenplays. Who owns all now, a, all of Vestron shit at this point? Huh? Who owns all of Vestron's stuff at this point? Uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm just no, making okay. up. No, I'm just saying that it's... Well, you know what? When I upload this to YouTube, they'll let me know. Because <laughs> <laughs> cause some, when we get flagged, they always tell me who flagged me. Like it's Warner Brothers or Universal. So, you know what? I'll find out soon enough. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Warner Brothers really has a hard-on for Jim Cotta. <laughs> it's like, wow. 
and it's 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 really interesting watching Chud and hearing about this. So basically, it was original screenplay that was that was mangled by this other guy, and then they're rewriting it on set. So so you get to, you get to the point where it's like, do, is this part I like a part that was the original, or was it Parnell's part, or right. was this one of like Stern's? It, it's really you, you have no idea who to root for at any point. But I do enjoy a lot of the movie. I I, I it's not scary. No. And it would have been scarier if they hadn't of. Uh, because here, here's the main problem with it is they they spent all this money on these horribly uh, unscary monsters that they couldn't show for more than a couple of seconds on screen, so they spend more time avoiding showing the monsters than they do showing them. And if they could just show them right up, like a zombie film, then they'd have more time to actually do more with the script. Oh, definitely. there are points in the. There are points in the movie where it feels like they're just padding it because, well, we can't show the monsters, so we have to we we have to hold the reveal to like ten minutes before the end of the film. Yeah. Now the original ending of the movie is actually placed about halfway three the three quarters of the way in. Um, no, not what. Okay, let, let's clarify. The ending of the film in this in in the DVD is the actual ending. In the theatrical release, they took the diner scene and they moved it to, and made that the end of the film. That's a theatrical release, right? Yeah, I mean, and the but it's not the original ending. The original ending is the ending in this well, in the DVD. Okay. Well, what I was gonna, all right. Uh, it's good that you clarified that. What it's I, complicated. I know it's com- what, what I, know it's I what I meant to say was what was shown in theaters. The diner scene was the end of the movie. In the in the theaters, yeah, right? In that one week run that it had, and John Goodman's <laughs> two, in that. John Goodman and Jay Thomas are in that scene. Uh, John Goodman obviously went on to be a huge actor, and Jay Thomas, he was actually a radio guy. He was a radio guy who had some success in film, who's now a radio guy again. Um, so, uh, but John Goodman, you know, he was in Roseanne for a long, a long time, and then he's done like some really good movies, studio movies, you know, like Arachnophobia, uh, Big Lebowski. I mean, John Goodman is a face and a voice. I mean, voiceovers for the Monsters Inc. films. He so, was just in. Um, he was just in uh, Ten uh, Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, which I haven't seen yet, but I hear is very good. It's good. I have seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and and also John Polito is in the film. Oh, uh, he's got a cameo, right? Yeah, he's he's the news he's the news anchor. That's right. Uh, in the background, and I would not have recognized him if I had if they hadn't pointed him out in the audio commentary. I was like, who the who they I had, John Pol- I can't place the name. And I'm like, yes, I'm sick of the high hat. That guy. <laughs> it's like, but he's like he's like a hundred pounds lighter. You know, yeah. He, he looked more like Kurt Saxon than anybody else. Well, and that was another thing they did in the commentary. They kept saying that there were uh, people in the film that weren't like they kept referring to the little kid oh that's brad pitt's first role <laughs> who well, was actually like 20 years old when this movie came out but you know they're like oh that's sissy spacek you know she was in badlands yeah. but then you know she ended up here we got everybody you know the, oh tommy lee jones <laughs> they do but, that but, through but the, the whole commentary right but, but again because they had so many people they uh, really that are did. Now big names that were just like wandering around the set so they they, the they made a joke of it but you're right it was because they did have a lot of these up-and-coming yeah. actors that didn't become famous or known actors until later on I, so it, i mean chud is it, the thing about chud is everyone knows it everybody knows it 
You know and, what's, and- what's funny? Robert Downey Jr., he's doing an interview for Iron Man, the original Iron Man. You could probably find it on YouTube still. And he, they were just talking to him about, you know, how did you get, you know, Iron Man and, and whatnot. And, and he's just uh, your acting style. And, you know, what do you like to watch? And he goes, you know, sometimes I like to watch movies like Iron Man. And then sometimes I like to watch movies like Chud, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. And I'm like, holy, holy shit, dude. It's like, that's <laughs> awesome. That the fact that he knew the movie, knew the what the acronym stood for, you know. So it just, you the know film, the movie, you know what it is. The film was only in theaters for a month. It only made Four million, uh, domestically 4.5. Yeah. Something like that. Now, and again, here's the thing where it's like, oh, yeah, the investors never made their money back. The film cost one point, depending on which which version of Bonamy's story you believe, 1.3 or 1.6. And if the film grossed 4.5 and they still didn't make their money back, right? he's the worst producer in the world or he's like every other producer and they pocket money left and right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, do you, you remember the, uh, the, the big debacle with our fiasco with um, Forrest Gump? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that movie Where, made over three hundred million just in America, or you know, domestically alone. Yeah, the movie's in the theater for months, and everybody's seeing it twice. It's like a box office hit, and then someone asks the writer, he's like, "Yeah, I haven't seen any royalties on it." And then <laughs> they say, "Oh yeah, we didn't make any money on the film." <laughs> and to to the point where during the Oscars, um, that's one of those movies that will what's make the, what's money. The actor, the actor. God Tom damn, Tom Hanks. Thank you. My brain is fucking frying. Tom Hanks during the Oscars says, "Yeah, it made money," <laughs> so, and they were actually fighting to get the writer. And I think the only reason the writer like said anything because I think he like realized this is the only movie that's ever going to be made for my stuff. Right. I, I think like he well, knew this was it, and I so because I think a lot a lot of times they they won't they won't say anything, but he he spoke up in interviews and stuff. Said, "Yeah, uh, I never saw any." money on the back end well, and here's the thing For, Forrest Gump is one of those movies that will make money forever right forever uh-huh. between TV between the theatrical run between coming out on every single format that's ever going to be released in the history of humanity you know whether it was Laserdisc actually Forrest Gump came out on VHS Laserdisc DVD Blu-ray uh, digital VHS. I mean, it's come out on every format we've ever had, mm-hmm. and it just gets re-released for you know ten year anniversary, twenty year, twenty five year. The you know the thirty year anniversary just happened. So yeah, it's one of those movies that will make money for fucking ever. So you tell me you can't give this guy some fucking money? Come on. Yeah. But I mean, twice, twi- at least twice during in. in uh, now I gotta look up the, the writer, produce- see if he's done anything since. Twice in like the the chud backs, uh, when he's talking about the production. First he says, "Yeah, I raised nearly forty million dollars for the film," but then they backed out of the deal, so I only had one point six. Then it's like, "Oh yeah, I found a distributor that was gonna distribute it," but then they backed out of the deal, so I had to give it to them for less. It's like, dude, you suck. Do you get anything in writing? You're a horrible <laughs> producer. Horrible producer. So or you're just covering your tracks. Yeah. So who, uh, who who had the issue? Was it Winston Groom who wrote the novel or Eric Roth who wrote the screenplay? I believe, no, it was the novel. It was the novel, so it was Winston Groom. The guy, the guy who wrote the novel, yeah. Hmm. 
He wrote Forrest Gump based on his novel. Then he did one more TV movie called Lee and Grant, 2011. That's interesting. That's when I remember that uh, General Lee and General Grant get together to solve crimes. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous. I, I watch it. Well, obviously you never and, did, and it came out and course, five years ago. And of course they're and of course they're always bickering about the war, so that it gets you know that's back and forth through yeah. and solving the crimes. <laughs> well, and Lee always and and uh, uh, Grant always blames the slave owner. <coughs> Winston's still alive. Mm-hmm. Well, just think, man, when he when Forrest Gump came out, he's seventy three now. When Forrest Gump came out, he was shit. He was only like forty two years old. How fast did that time go? Yeah, right. Holy motherfucker! But, that's that's my but, biggest yeah. fear. It's like but that, thirty like, just, years. I'm going to be stuff 70. like that. Stuff like that is the reason why I don't trust producers. And when you've got Andrew so like eager to tell a side of the story that he creates a website, and then takes it down. Right. I, and, and again, and it, 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 like, it's 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 not just facts. It's him like vindictively trying to explain. Uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm more likely to believe the other people in the audio commentary than I am uh, Bonnie. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Winston Groom's uh, collection of books. Yeah. Yeah, Forrest Gump's it. I mean, and that's by his own choice. I mean, that's just not, that's the style of book he wrote that time. That's just yeah, not sure. the style of book he you, tends to write. Yeah, so. and I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, and I wasn't criticizing him. No, all, me neither. All, all I was kind of say is like, he knew this wasn't the beginning of a Hollywood career. It was like, yeah, all right, they took my book, they made this movie, it made millions of dollars, and I'm supposed to get like a percentage, and I haven't received anything. And they're like, oh yeah, well, we, we <laughs> the, the, the biggest, the biggest movie we made this year, it didn't make any money. Well, yeah, really, yeah, he yeah. Did write a, in, he did write a sequel to Forrest Gump called Gump and Company. Came out yes. 2012. Yes, and I don't that. know if this is a a blurb or a rave that you want because Larry King is so fucking old. But he says uh, it's the funniest novel I've ever read. Okay, Larry's like eighty five. I love to look at Larry Larry King's uh, bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have one. He's too old. He doesn't read. He got that on audiobook. Kevin Spacey did a great job. I mean, that's probably how that was, you know, done. <laughs> anyway, okay, are we done reviewing Chud? Do we want to rate it? I, I, you know what? I, I just feel like we haven't talked much about the movie and more about um, that's the behind o- the that's scenes okay. stuff. Yeah, I guess that is okay. Um, Listen, it's a razor thin plot. It's it's a fun movie. It's from our childhood. We always yeah. say that we say that about a lot of movies we review. I mean, what are we going to go into? Cinematography. My favorite scene is the the very last scene when the truck explodes with all uh-huh. the, sp- the the sparks in the air. Even Daniel Stern says, "Because this scene's beautiful." I mean, it is. It's a gorgeous scene, and the music is very eighties, uh, you know, uh, synthesizer. Uh, I could challenge you to like ten movies just based off the music in that scene alone. Um, and it's just almost silhouetted. Daniel Stern's almost silhouetted against the the giant flames and and sparks coming off of the truck. 
that explodes. Great scene, but we're not going to do that because this is a you know it's a shitty '80s horror movie. <laughs> I mean, we but, could, one of, but one of the best shitty '80s horror movies. That that is true. That is true. Oh, here's here's what's his face, the guy that was like the. You go by the name of staying alive. Like, whatever the fuck yeah. that means. What does that mean? Fucking, I don't care. He was awesome. <laughs> he was great. He was, and he's a familiar actor. I don't, I, I could see, I see him in other things and I just can't get it out of my head. I, what else he's like, been in. I feel like a TV actor. I feel like he's been in television stuff. Like, com- like, uh, like Smothers Brothers or like Carol Burnett stuff. Like, I, I, I've seen him in that. That's like, that's where I picture him. Actually, what is his name in the movie? I forget. I'll find him. Ah, you look. Uh, you, well, you, you go ahead you and, do, and do the demographics, and I'll see if I can find him real quick. Well, well, I, we have to rate the film first, sir. Ah, yes. Okay. Uh, where is it? It's sitting it's at a four. Five point five. Five point five. With seven thousand votes. With seven thousand votes. I I think this is a firm five. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd let you I, talk. I I'd it. let you talk me into a six, but I'm really okay with five. You know what? I I could probably be talking to a four. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with a five. No, I, I would never do that for this. Uh, I I I think this is like I think Chuds belongs right up there with like um, uh, season of the witch. Yeah. Just although, uh, although we not we rated season of the witch a little higher though. Yeah, we gave but, that a right, six, maybe, maybe a even, a, maybe even a seven. Did we give season of the witch a seven? Ah, uh, that's that sounds crazy. That, I can't. I, I, that. I can't. No, we didn't. We couldn't have given that a seven. We couldn't. That, that's crazy talk. It is. It's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna go with five. You cool with five? I'm good with five. All right, I think that's fair. Um, demographics is pretty much five across the board. The highest demographic is uh, wow. So um. Males under 18, only one rated it, and it was a 5. Mm-hmm. Females under 18, only one rated it, and it was a 5. we got to oh. get those two together. Huh. Okay. Lowest demographic is uh, males aged 45 and older at 5.1. Highest is males aged 18 to 29 at 5.8. 18 to 29 means they, they weren't even alive when this film came out. <laughs> God. More likely than not. So that's interesting that the highest rating average is people that weren't around when the film was released. Right. Which means that there's an interest in these older horror films. I like that. As an older individual now, I, I, I that that warms my heart. I Wow, IMDb staff. Only one rated it, but they rated it a six. <laughs> this, this is the IMDb staffer we need to meet. Yeah, right. Here's here's an IMDb staffer that knows something. I I, I wish they identified them because I would stalk them. JC Quinn. Oh, that was the guy that that led uh, John Hurd down into the um, into the sewers. Apparently, oh, uh, he was in the Abyss, and um, John Bedford Lloyd, who played Shadow Man, which is the guy that was uh, following Daniel Stearns with the whole film. Oh, he, the guy that swallows the dime. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. no, that's a different guy. No, that's that's him. He no, was no, in no. the abyss. Oh, the guy that's following Stern. The shadow guy is the guy that's following um, Daniel Stern. The cop that's following John Hurd. That's no. not the that's, that's not the shadow man. That's J C Quinn. 
what I'm getting at, J.C. Quinn is the one that's following John Hurd. He was in the abyss. And then John Bedford Lloyd, who's the shadow man following okay. Daniel Stern, also in the abyss. So James Cameron stole two guys from Chud. <laughs> and I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> I, I love when Stern's talking to the uh, director and says, man, you, 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 you guys almost sunk my career twice. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I mean, just as far as Daniel Stern goes, looking at Chud in his um, in his repertoire. Uh huh. I mean, uh, just glancing at it here, uh, Chud was he had just come off of Blue Thunder and Diner and Diner. Well, Diner was before Blue Thunder, right? And like, again, but you know, he just uh, came off of Blue Thunder, but he had both of those under his belt. And he was his, he was in Breaking Away, which was his first film, which is still a classic. Right. So, yeah, he was just finally getting the mainstream with like Blue Thunder and Diner, and then Chud comes along. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. <laughs> and then the next, I mean, he was in Hannah and Her Sisters, but I don't know what that did for his career. Yeah, his name was uh, Robert Tupin. That was the, the, the guy with the knife. You go by the name of Staying Alive. He's done a shit ton of TV stuff. Yeah, I, I, I recognize him as a TV actor. I, I, I called that. I called that. Yeah, I mean, he's been in a ton of shit. You know what's weird? Looking at Daniel Stern and looking at how much he was in before Home Alone. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember him from Leviathan. And I was like, oh shit, that's actually before Home Alone. Fucking Leviathan. <laughs> yeah. And DOA, which was a sleeper, but I love that movie, the remake. Oh, the one with Den Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Yep. Love that. Uh, yeah, but if, if you have not heard the audio commentary, you got to get it. Absolutely. Now, what, what's your challenge for me, sir? Okay, so the connection is old New York, gritty, grimy New York. That's the connection. Okay. Clute. It's not Clute. Okay. Now, uh, obviously, I'm not challenging challenging you to uh, Chud too, but the Chud not going to do that. Um, you know, no one that made Chud has ever seen it, so I don't want to see it. Yeah, I mean, I have it. It is on my Plex. Uh, oh, I don't even have it. But uh, so, okay, movies I was thinking of. I was thinking of uh, Miss Forty Five. I was thinking of that, oh, but actually, classic. I actually like that. So I was steering away from movies like mm. that you know mm -hmm. uh then i was thinking of all right maybe we can go taxi driver but then i'm like that's another movie i kind of i really like and it's hard to review movies we like so you know then i just started really thinking what movie have i seen recently it's gritty old new york and it's a 70s movie the garbage pal kids no it's 80s 90s never mind no that's 80s that came out in like 89 or 88. Oh, you're right, yeah. Some shit. And that's... We'll, we'll get into that when we do when we talk about the polls. So this movie actually came out the year of my birth, 1976. Okay? And I've actually been wanting to review this for a long time, and this is a perfect opportunity because the connection is old, grimy New York. Alright, got any hints besides New York? Um, yes. Hold on. I got a is it a horror film? 
Not really. Okay, all right. It's not really a horror film. Uh, it's a Larry Cohen film. Who's also written by Larry Cohen, written and directed. The Ambulance? Uh, it is not The Ambulance. This came okay. out in 76. Uh, that's right. So that was a bad guess. That was a horrible guess. Um, but it is one of his films. It's not the stuff. We've done the stuff. It's not the stuff. We've done the stuff. Right. you got to go back a little further than that. It's before Q. It's before, you know... Uh, it's before what? It's before the film Q, the one with uh, David yeah. Carradine with the no. pterodactyl. See, you're throwing dates at me, and my brain doesn't work that way. I, Give I, me something I didn't, to go I didn't on throw here. a date at all. I just said it's before that movie. That which implies dates. <laughs> so okay. just give me something besides time. Religion. Religion. God told me to. Fucking A right. It's God told me to. Wow. I nailed it. I've never seen it. So that's cool. You've never seen that? I've always, you know, it's one of the, I have it. I've always had it. It's one of those things. You know, there are so many fucking films. You and I was like, oh, you know, I'll get around to it, and you never do. Right. I know about the film. I've read about the film. That's I, I, actually I that's actually one of the films from my childhood. It's one of those movies that my parents rented, and I walked in on the end. Now, when you watch the movie, okay, keep in mind that that ending is what I walked into. I well, walk- I already know how it ends because I've read about the book movie oh, okay. in several books. Okay. Remember, remember how well, I ruined the one film for you with the cult films book? Yeah, the Wicker Man. That right. Uh, it's uh, God told me to is also in the cult films uh, series, and I've read that, so I know how it ends. I know the twist. Okay. Um, so, so I walked in on that as a kid, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those scenes that I I just can't get out of my head, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I, I, yeah. I, 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 now I have an excuse to finally get around to watching it. That's right. All right. So since now that's out of the way, and um, the uh, the the demographics and the rating of the film is out of the way, let's briefly talk about oh, the, I, the the poll that we have up. All, all I want to say is that the uh, links that I dis- that we were talking about uh, with the uh, the interview with the director producer and the producer's uh, Chud Facts page I will be posting those on our Facebook page and Good. on our Tumblr page so if you want those links check out either of those sites to find those it's a great, uh, it's a kinda, great read I, both I of them to, I had to dig through a lot of like Google searches to find those so I'll save you the time nice well thank you sir I really enjoyed reading both of those alright so we're dedicating at least four movies to the the viewers and listeners of Movie Sucktastic. We have a poll up on our Facebook page where you can you can go. Now, you you could do it one of two ways. I have no problem with people giving recommendations on just a Facebook post. Um, or you can actually click the link and you can add the film to the actual poll. Uh I'm fine with either one, to be completely honest. Uh, I'm going to also put... I'm not. Why not? No, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to also put it on our website, so that even just random people that come across our site, maybe they want to you know, recommend a film, even if we might have reviewed it. But if they want to recommend a film, maybe it's a film we haven't reviewed yet. We're just going to put these in a pile, and we're going to 
cherry pick them, basically. So far, we have movies like BC Rock. We have movies... Uh, we have the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Um, we have a film called The Beaster, which looks like a low-budget, straight-to-video or streaming-type film. With it, Basically, what it looks like, what it feels like, is the... Um, uh, oh, fuck. Uh, the Bird movie. The shitty one. We reviewed it. Birdemic. Mm -hmm. It looks and feels like Birdemic. Although I have a feeling that this might be a little better than Birdemic. <laughs> it's, I, just, I just, from watching the trailer. So, uh, and then I think we have a request to do the film Practical Magic. What? So, somebody, uh, my sister-in-law actually, said, uh, I'd recommend Practical Magic, jokingly, but she said, oh, but it, you know, it's too good for movie Sucktastic, making a joke. Um, we could tear that shit apart. Yes, we could. And <laughs> I could actually get Mary Ellen to watch it with me, and I might make her cry. So, <laughs> worth it all around. Now, uh, now for, for our listeners that are familiar with our rules uh, to reviewing films, our rules about films that are qualified to be reviewed on the podcast are waived for the listener appreciation. Unfortunately... Uh, that is true. Yeah. So, so we're going to be getting films like The Beaster, which is a straight-to-video, straight-to-streaming pile of shit. Right. The, the films that you request for the audience uh, appreciation uh, review month do not have to have the theatrical release. They can be direct-to-video. They could be never released, if there's such a thing. They could be um, literally anything. Um, yeah. I don't even think time limit. Like, if the movie's 45 minutes, I don't even think that's... It's any anything that you want to uh, submit, we're going to take into consideration. We'll, we'll review YouTube videos. <coughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe not. You maybe not YouTube videos. <laughs> Why uh, not? <laughs> you know what? If it gets us more in touch with our audience, sure. Why, That's why what I'm saying. This is you know they're calling the shots here. So. so we have at least four movies so far. We obviously want more than that so that we can you know, make some sort of a decision on uh, on what we're going to review. Because obviously we can't review everything that comes in, but we're going to try and do our best well, to do to dedicate a, a month to it. Right. Which could be four or five movies. Or if we decide to double up one week, you could have maybe as, as many as seven or eight. We don't know yet. We'll, we'll wait. I think uh, you said the poll closes at the end of the month? I'm saying that now we reserve the right to extend it further if we want uh, more okay. feedback. Okay. Um, because we do what we want. Yeah, I do what I want. Yeah. Um, so I think I'll share that a couple of more times because I think people are... I think people genuinely <gasps> don't... I have a feeling this is what I truly believe. I think they're going to... Uh -oh. They're going to... They think that they're going to submit a film that they think it's going to suck, and I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't suck nearly enough. Or the other way around, where they don't want to, to submit a film that they like that we're going to shit on. Well, so and, I think people are a little too. hesitant to submitting movies. 
just to, just to clarify too, you can submit as many movies as you want, and you can vote on as many movies as you want. That's right. It's not a one shot restriction. So you can add ten movies to our poll, and you can vote on all of them yourself, or vote on five, you know, whatever. It, right. It's it's open. So you know, as long as we get the suggestions and people vote on them, that's all that matters. Yeah, I think I'll share it. Uh, I'm going to share the post a couple more times, but I think I'm going to share it with more than a you know two or three word sentence this time. Because okay. I, I think people are seeing it in their feed and just going by it. It's like, no, I really want you to submit some movies. Um, right. not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, are you serious, Joey? I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm just, just checking. Yeah, just, just, just thought you'd like to know that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Okay. Um, are we done? I think we're done. I, I, think, I think we're done, too. Yeah. All right, let's let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and open the sh end the show here. Oh yeah. Actually, let's move. Let's move that over there. There we go. Oh, got some ending music. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know it sucks that uh, the soundboard, for whatever reason, isn't working well with my new audio format, or at least not every audio is working well. We got like this double you know it's playing twice in itself it's really annoying i have to figure that out or just continue to do this through vlc player i'm boring you all with that stuff i'm sorry anyway go to our website anyway, anyway this is episode what 209 yeah episode 209 uh as always thank you for joining us uh for movie sucktastic uh you can go to our website at moviesucktastic.com Download all the shows there, listen to the shows there, or tune in every Thursday at 8 o'clock and listen and watch the show live. It's a really cool experience. You'll like it. Uh, you can go to iTunes and you can download or listen to the show there as well. If you stop by, make sure you leave a review. We always appreciate that. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash moviesucktastic. Everything we talk about, trailers. I posted the new uh, Ghostbusters trailer. Um, in about two minutes, I'm posting the George C. Scott watches the Ghostbusters trailer, that scene from Hardcore. It's uh -huh. hilarious. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, you, you get to see fun things like that. Uh, you can go to our Tumblr page at moviesucktastic.tumblr.com if you want to yeah. leave a, what? Uh, by, by the way, um, recently uh, a, bit, a very popular post on our Tumblr page was the uh, RoboJocks pictures of the uh robot jocks themselves <laughs> that got quite a few uh likes and uh shares that's so. crazy yeah oh yeah you struck a nerve i who, who knew robot jocks was that popular i i don't know hey i hope maybe the studios are listening it'll be uh 300 oh no that was pacific rim it didn't make any money. yes okay yes. anyway uh <laughs> uh you can you can leave us email the address is the movie guys at moviesucktastic.com if you want to leave us voicemail, which we will play on the show, it's 908-514-4470. 908-514-4470. Um, you can download the free app for your phone, Android, uh, for your tablet, your phone, whatever you're using. Uh, it's 100% free. Everything I just talked about is actually on there. You can listen to the show through it. It's really, really good. And, you know, you can't beat free. You, you can't. It's not free for us. It's free for you. Um, yes. And uh, there's a mobile version of the website for all of you iPhone users, iPad users. So you can go ahead and enjoy that. 
And that about does it. Do you have any words of wisdom before we depart, Mr. Wilson? I don't think so. <laughs> that, that just blank stare on your face. Yeah, yeah, I was just... No, no, yeah, no, no, I'm good. No, no words of wisdom? No? Uh, uh, don't trust producers. Don't trust producers. That's that's probably better than you, than you think it is right now. No, right, no, everyone. I'm pretty sure that's good. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.